Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the Chicago Bears podcast. Y'all don't care about me. Look at me. I'm sitting here. Pat the Designer in the building. I'm going to say my name. I'm going to still get it out there. But y'all don't care about me because we got Jason McKee in the building. And y'all see him right down there. The man myth legend ran back the opening touchdown of the Super Bowl. Devin Hester's in the building. Devin, what's good? What's going on, fellas? What's going on, man? Appreciate you guys for having me on the show, man. Hey, man, we appreciate you for coming through, man. Shout out to J-Mac. I mean, them NFL connections be working, J-Mac. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's my brother, man. And uh, anytime that, you know, I'm doing something and, you know, we reach out, you know, you always help me out. That's the type of guy that uh, Devin is. That's the type of teammate he was. So, you know, it's good to have him on our first initial show. So, welcome to Windy City Flyer. Devin, appreciate you joining us, brother. No problem, man. Anytime for you. Any, anything for you, J Mac. Hey, man, I, I I got y'all here. Like I said, this is this is a time of the year that so many Bears fans get excited about this. But I gotta ask y'all this because the reason that we're excited is somebody that y'all both were attached to. Have either of y'all called Lovey and and asked him or thanked him for for the pick yet? Has anybody done that on no. the team? Nobody's doing that. <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. Like, I feel like like somebody's got to make the call. Man, I, 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 mean, I love him. He gonna, he gonna, I'm just going to go straight to his voice, man. I lo- <laughs> love him not picking up for you? He'll pick up for Hess, I think. He's not going to pick up for Hess. He'll pick up for Hess, though. Trust me. He'll pick up for Hess. Devin, you, you got to thank Lovey for all of Chicago. Devin, we need you on that, man. <laughs> I know, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I know you get a lot of buzz about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. From a lot of Chicago Bear fans. But, hey, it is what it is. He's trying to win games, man, trying to win ball games. So, at the end of the day, he want to make a name for himself. And it don't matter what game it is, last game of the season, first game of the season, you always want to go out with a win. You don't want to end the season with a loss. Yeah. So, yeah. I can't blame him. Do you, so, so I, there's been so much speculation around that. Y'all know Lovey personally, right? Do you think that he definitely – well, knew he was maybe getting fired at that and he went into the locker room and was like, hey, boys, we got to play our hearts out on this one. Or he just approached the same week, same thing every day. You get rumors. You know what I mean? You As a player, as a coach, you, you know when your time is, is, is getting short. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's not like a surprise. You know what I mean? Um, you kind of kind of embrace it and you kind of accept it before it even get there. It's not really – half of the time it's not surprising. Yeah. So so he knew it going in. He like, hey, yo, boys, let's get this mud. Let's go out here. What you do? You think it was just let's win the game, or was it? Hey, I got to help out the old the old boys back in the shot. Y'all know they still love me back there. <laughs> no, I don't think he really paid attention that's happening out Chicago. It's probably probably need know about that situation. To be honest with you, really um, until it really happened. Um, when you in the trenches, you don't really you don't really pay attention to what the draft and all that is, really. No, you don't. I like. I I never thought about that playing football like the last two or three games of the season. Determined, you know what I mean. In my mind, playing in the game, thinking that I'm I'm, I'm trying to help out a draft pick or something like that. It, it never crosses my mind. Yeah. No, I definitely. I, it, it, it's just. I, I. It was such a perfect scenario that got us to pick that Lovey was the one to do it, dog. I. I somebody's got to thank him. Lance, Devin, J Mac. He won't pick up for you. We got to figure that out, man. You was a fullback, but like. We got to figure that out, man. Uh, Hey, we appreciate y'all for showing love, man. First quarter is here. And as we get into this question, I got to ask you this, Devin, because y'all both got to experience what it's like to be in a really, really great locker room, right? I've heard the stories about how you guys were uh, a brotherhood. I mean, you and J-Max still right really close to this day. How important is it and, and what pieces do you really need? to make that Super Bowl caliber locker room, right? Of course, you need the talent. But what do you think the pieces are that get you to the point where you're like, hey, man, like, this is something special? I think it's, I think it's the off-field bond that we built. You know what I mean? From day one, like, I played on, I want to say, three other teams. Yeah. And I can count on my fingers one hand of how many people I hung out with. Mm. But when I go to when I when I talk about Chicago Bears, I don't have enough hands or toes yeah. to count how many players that I actually like hung out with on a daily basis after practice was over, after we left the facilities. You know what I mean? It was it was always we were always 
gal up and go to somebody's house. Yeah. We would always go out to eat. We always start together when we went out to eat. Out, you know what I mean? Nightlife. We yeah. would always be together. You know what I mean? And everybody would have cookouts. Lat would have game nights. Of course, my house was like the hangout spot for after practice. Everybody came there. Um, so it was the bond that we built off the field that really, really helped us out on the field. Yeah. How, how much of that and and what's the personality, right? What's the personality that you that you look at in the locker room that you're looking for in the locker room that brings that together, right? Because I think that's, when we talk about the Bears, that's the things that we're missing, right? We know Fields is supposed to be the guy. We know that now Tremaine Edmonds is supposed to be the guy. But who's the glue? What's the personality of that glue to bring it all together? What was the personality for y'all anyway? Yeah, I think, I think you know, what Devin's saying in terms of the bonds and the chemistry we yeah. had on the field, you look at you had that bona fide leaders in that locker room. Yeah. You know, we had we had guys that were alpha males, Roland Cruces, the Ruben Brown, yeah. uh, Mike Browns. You know what I'm saying? Those guys, when when they when they stepped in that locker room and things weren't going right, those guys would speak up and everybody would listen, yeah. right? And not because they were obviously elite players. But because they carry themselves in a professional way on a daily basis. You know, Olin Cruz is one of the first guys in the weight room. He's one of the first guys out to practice, out to walk through. So you knew that there was a standard set and guys had to fall in line to follow it if you wanted to have success. And, you know, in this league, the elite teams are player led. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you want to be an elite team, you got to be player led. And I think that's what we had. We had so much elite leadership that we had an elite team in terms of being player led. So, so y'all in the locker room, somebody get get out of body. Who who was the person that came to talk to y'all? It, it wasn't Lovey. Who who was y'all guy? Oh, I would say Olin. Yeah. Olin was that guy. Yeah, Olin. Yeah. Um, Brian. Brian didn't really talk a lot. Brian was more so like us. Uh, very playful. Um, you know what I mean. But when he talked, he talked. You yeah. know what I mean. So, but I would say the main guy had to be Olin Crew. What's the, what's the what's the story you remember? Where you was like, yeah, we not messing with Olin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, they both laughed. They both got the same story. What's the story? I need the story now. Well, you know what? Hey, I I, I got a bunch, and you know I can tell them. I see them all the time. So, you know, uh, just so many, man. You know, Olin, he he's an intense guy. Um, you know, most people they 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 look at Olin and they hear things about Olin like, man, I'm not gonna mess with that guy. He's yeah. an intense guy, but. Owen's just a passionate guy. He's a passionate teammate, but Owen's got a harder goal. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He'll give you shirt. He'll give you the shirt off his back. Yeah. But you know, if you're not doing things the right way and you're doing something he doesn't like, well, then you know what? <laughs> you know, he may he may go the other way with it. But he was definitely, um, you know, one of my favorite teammates. Obviously, you know, he's like a big brother to me and Devin. And uh, you see, he's still prevalent in both our lives uh, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not gonna give me the story on who 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 shook y'all. Like who got shook. Who got shook up? <laughs> I got one. I give you one. Hey, let's go, D. Let's go. I know you know me. Sometimes podcasts be made to spill the tea. Man. Hey, so J Mac want to be political out here. I want the story. <laughs> so we got we got one. Um, I got one. Um, it was an incident that happened in the training room. Yeah. And um, Olin, it was like for a player coming in, you you rather please Olin than your position coach. Yeah. Right, he just had that much power. Like he controlled everything from the training room to the locker room to even the organization. I felt, and uh, we had an incident. Olin got upset in the training room, and um, the head training guy—I'm uh, not gonna mention no name—but him and the training guy got into it, and he actually taped the training guy up and threw him in the cold tub. Yeah, and wouldn't get him out. Like somebody had to come save him because he could have dropped. Hey, the funny thing is though, is I know the funny thing is like you had coaches, and I'm not going to mention their names, saying, "Oh, we got to go get him out." And, uh, and then uh, I could call Owen saying, "Hey, you want to join him?" <laughs> hey, and guess what? Them coaches ain't going there. Coach, they ain't going there. Hey, but uh, Olin was like that. If you ever watched the movie Friday, yeah, Evo, yeah, yeah. Like when Olin came in the cafeteria, yeah. or I came in the locker room, and you wasn't like a proven player, yeah. You see, players see Olin, they running out, they grab their lunch, they leave. Like you was running away from Olin. Olin was jacking chains, bro. Olin was jack- he was jacking sandwiches. He was well, jacking. Olin was Debo. <laughs> yeah. he, he had a saying, right? The guys in our cafeteria. I'm glad uh, Hess mentioned that lunchtime. It was funny because. 
you know, a lot of the rookies come in the lunchroom and they want to jump in line first, right? They jumping in line first before the vets, right? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> only coming there, only coming there, and the statement was, "Eat according to your work." <laughs> you, you, ain't work yet, you better get to the end of the line. Yeah, exactly. Bro, exactly. that that's that's so funny because it's just like it, it's so funny to hear like that the intensity that he brought to that locker room was such a key, right? Like, y'all sit here and talk about, like, that's a crazy story. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, your strength and conditioning coach must have been the dude that stepped up. It's crazy out here. But y'all talk about that with such fond memories, right? Like, that's what this, I think this Bears team has to find. That's what this Bears team has to build, man, because every Super Bowl caliber team I hear about, they have those guys as the dude you don't mess with. It's the funny yes. dude. It's the it's the the serious guy. It's the Hall of Famers. It's the, you know what I mean? Like how how many of those guys realistically do you think do you think can turn into that that's on this team right now? The the age, the modern age now with, with football, man, it, it's so much social media and yeah. TikTok and Facebook, like we wasn't into that type of stuff, man. So, and it is it's it's so different now. Even from football to youth football world, you know what I mean. Everything is caught up in social media. Everything somebody do, they want to post it. They want to post that. Back in the days, it was more all about getting better in football and bettering your team and trying to win a national championship. Now, yeah. nowadays, I don't even think it's, it, players are more concerned about winning games rather than making themselves look good on TikTok. So it's so hard to compare nine days compared to the last, the, the days where we played back in the day. It's so different, man. It's it's interesting that you say that because because uh, we we got a guy here that enjoys his time on TikTok. Uh, in uh, <laughs> in our wide receiver room, uh, we you know uh, what what are your thoughts on the current Bears wide receiver room? How it's looking? How it's shaping up? Yeah, I think it's good. I think adding DJ Moore will bring an element of, you know, competition. He's going to elevate the competition of the guys around him. I think especially those young guys like a Bayless Jones, uh, some of the younger guys in that receiver room, you know, him having so much success year in and year out as a pro, you know, those guys are going to have to step up. And, you know, some of the current guys that didn't play well last year, they got here late. You know, prime example, Chase Claypool, a guy who came in late, you know, I felt like he – you know, may not have grasped the system. Um, I think that may have hindered some of his productivity last year. But yeah. look at what DJ Moore has done. You know, he's going to bring a new element to this offense, but he's also going to elevate the play of the guys in that wide receiver room. So I'm excited about it. I, I feel I feel like the competition, like you said, the competition level raised so high, right? We were hoping the chase was going to come here and be our one. And now it's almost consistently talked about him being the two, but I don't know if Chase is going to expect the two. I think what what does that battle bring out in a in a wide receiver room? What does that battle bring out? Right, like how how much does that elevate your game? As a number two, you feel like you you don't have so much pressure. Yeah. To be honest with you, the number one guy, you feel like the weight is all on your shoulder. I feel like both of them guys. Um, have the potential. I feel like DJ has proven himself to be number one. Yeah. I feel like Chase has shown glimpses of potentially being a number one, but do he really want to take on that role? I do he want to sit back and 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 we look at each other as we just gonna make plays together regardless of one or two. Yeah. And that's the role that they have. I feel like that, that type of receiver core has to do is have to go on that in the season. You know what I mean? They say, hey, it's no number one, no number two. We're going to make plays regardless. Whatever coverage they give us, be expecting the ball. And that's the mentality that you got to have. Hey, let's hope that let's hope that we got some dogs up in that mud, man. I know DJ Moore is a dog, but I I want to see that elevated attack from this wide receiver room this year. Because I, I look at that to me, right, as I had more. I, I come in personally into this season with more questions on guys catching the ball last season than Justin Fields making plays last season, throwing the ball. I feel like every game we saw a pass that could have been a potential touchdown passing-wise and not just Justin using his legs. Yeah, I think, Pat, you got to look at it too, right? You look at, okay, DJ Moore is the bona fide number one. Yeah. Chase Claypool is right now slotted uh, to be the number two. I think Darnell Mooney, you know, he's going to go back to his role and being in that slot. I think where he's well-suited based upon his skill set. So, look at Chase Claypool, right? You know, he, he hears all the negativity surrounding him in Chicago right now. Yeah. Prayed for him. 
came in, didn't produce, didn't live up to expectations in his first year. And Hess knows as players, you know, we're motivated. You know, obviously we have to produce in order to get paid. And, you know, everybody, you know, you, you know at the end of the day, this is a professional game. You know, you're playing this game to get another contract. So, you know, I know Chase is, you know, he's crafting, working on his craft right now. Um, you know, he's got to come out and put his best foot forward and be productive if he wants to remain in the Bears uniform. But most importantly, if he wants to get paid. So I'm looking at him like, hey, he sees DJ Moore here. He hears all the praise about everybody praising DJ Moore, saying, hey, we finally got a receiver. We finally got somebody here that can produce. Darnell Mooney coming off the injury, he hears the same thing. Yes. You know, he hears the same thing. DJ Moore, they're annoying DJ Moore. DJ Moore is great, but these two guys, not just these two guys, but Bayless Jones and all them other guys in their wide receiver room, they know it's competition. If you ain't producing, you ain't going to be in that room for a long time. So I think we're going to see an elevation in those guys' play. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting season. I think it's gonna be a very fun season. Let's get into uh, the second quarter here because we have to. I mean, listen, I can't have D Hester in the building and not sit here and ask both of y'all, right? D Hester, Jason, the draft is here. What was it like going through the draft process? I'm so intrigued by the process because the day, right, some people get their names called, some people don't. Sometimes you feel like you're going somewhere, you don't end up going there. What was y'all process like going through, right, combine, draft day, all of that? I mean, it was it was a process that can be overwhelming depending on how you take it. Um, I can only kind of speak on my process um, going into the combine. Um, well, going, well, my situation, I went into the combine – unhealthy you know what i mean i had tweaked my hamstring like two weeks prior yeah. to the combine and um so me going to the combine i felt like and i'm pretty sure every team felt like they wanted to see me run the 40 yeah so i had so much pressure in that situation because i was um planning on going to the combine not running the 40 but participating in all the drills and got to the podium the night before the 40 and announced it that I wasn't going to run it. And immediately my agent blew up my phone up and said, listen, man, I know what we we talked about, but you're going to have to run the 40. He said, man, listen, Mm -hmm. scouts are complaining. They saying that we have guys that pull tweet hamstrings and pull hamstrings played in games, so we want to see you fight through it. So that whole process really, really was mind-boggling for me. And I I actually ended up running a tennis shoe because they were like, listen, let's just see you go out there and give it what you got, and you got pro day in two weeks later. So hopefully, if you don't run a time that you want, you got pro day coming up. And so that that whole process was was stressful for me. Um, I was one of the players where I, I did good my sophomore year, yeah, and then he played my junior year. And you know, I mean, I'm not gonna get on that story why I didn't play, um, but I still entered into the draft and ended up going in the second round, and. You know, the process that went, I was called by Tennessee Titans. I don't know if everybody knows, but Tennessee called Tennessee called me with pick in the second round and congratulated me. You're going to be a Tennessee Titan, blase, blase, information, our flights, getting the flights and everything yeah. set up. And the last five seconds on the clock, they said, sorry, Devin, we got some bad news. We'll give you a call back. And they ended up picking Lindell White. And so that process was kind of mind-boggling to me, man. And then I ended up sliding to the 57 pick with the Chicago Bears. And the rest was history, man. What's what's going through your mind? What's going through your mind when they don't when they don't give you when they give you the hey, we giving you the bad news? Man, after that, man, I, I honestly I was I was in the house with my mom. I just had my media family. I didn't have a big crowd. Yeah. I just had my media family. So when that happened, man, you know what I mean? I was so hurt. I was devastated, man, because I just knew I was going to get drafted right away. You know what I mean? I felt like I had a potential being the first round. You know what I mean? And it just hurt me because I didn't play none of my junior year. So I dropped in the second round. And then um, for Tennessee to call me the first call on the clock on the second round, and that happened, man. I was like, man, forget this, man. I, ain't, I don't care what. I don't even care about the draft no more. I ended up leaving. I walked out the house, went and sat at the park, was just sitting there, man, just, 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 just frustrated. Like, man, like, Ain't nothing going right for me, man. And then eventually Chicago ended up calling me and picking me up. 
Hey, it worked out. It worked out for now. Hey, thank the Lord that happened. Man. Hey, you ain't lying. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm gonna tell the listeners another story about Hess, right? Uh-oh. So, and Hess, we talk about this all the time. So, yeah. you know, in practice, right? It gets cold outside, right? We have practice, right? Now, my, now, mind you, Pat, we got a big old beautiful indoor facility called the Walter Payton Center, right? Yeah. yeah. Big old beautiful warm indoor facility, right? With Coach Smith. We ain't going outside. He's like, hey, guys, we're staying outside. It's bare weather, guys. We're staying outside, big fella. So we're outside, right? Everybody's outside except for one person, Pat. D. Hess. D. Hess is in the Payton Center. He's catching kickoffs. He's catching punts, right? Yeah. So we're all like, you know, myself and, and you know, Thomas Jones, Adrian Peterson. You know, we're, we're the jokesters in the locker room. And we're like, man, why is he in the indoor facility? We're freezing outside practicing, right? So I'll tell you what, we found out why. That first game, we played the Packers up at Lambeau. Yeah. And I think it was a punt return, Hess. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. He pointed that ball to D. Hess. He took that thing back. I tapped T. Jones on the shoulder. I said, hey, that's why. I said, that's why. That's why. After that, hey, Hess would, Hess would come out. He'd be out there and stretch. Next thing you know, he's in the indoor catching punch when it was cold outside. Hey, I'm I'm not mad at that. That's 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 uh that's th- when you got that special ability, man. Has that a special? I'm not I'm not gonna lie. And Hesta, I ask you this: Have you seen anybody when you watch your tape and they tape that cut like you did? Because when I read, uh, listen, I rewatch your highlights every year. I'm not gonna lie. I, I haven't had a lot of happiness in my Bears fandoms. So I rewatch you a lot. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of people that can cut, plant, and maintain full speed like you used to. I, to be honest, I haven't. I have seen guys where I can say, oh, yeah, he looked like he was faster than me. Yeah. But far as cutting and, and moving and changing direction and not losing speed, I haven't, to be honest with you. Because it, it wasn't even like, duh, like, at least for me looking in, and I'm sure I want to hear how it was for you running, but like when I would see you move, it would look like you cut right at the same speed you was going forward. And then you just start back up again. Like, was that just natural instinct or was that right? Like, I always think, right, like how Dennis Rodman broke down rebounding. He had a science to it. And the other dudes be like, bro, I'm just good at it. I don't know. Was that natural instinct or did you have a science to how you would be attacking them plays? I think I, I think with the ability that I had, it was more of a, a I would say science. Okay. Um, I think I figured it out. I think I mastered it. Yeah. Um. Just, I say it has it had a lot to do with ability. You know what I mean. And then it also had a lot to do with with training and the way I train. You know what I mean. I always wanted to when I made my move, I wanted to make it faster than I was actually running. Yeah. And so by doing that, I did it so much at a young age that it became so natural to the point where I didn't even think about it. It was just it just was smooth and just just flowed. Man, it 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 shows. I'll tell you that. It show it showed in your entire Bears career. I'll tell you that much. Um, Another thing too, like, you know, with Hess, like a lot of people, you know, they look at his athleticism, yeah. you know, but his his mental aptitude of the game, you know what I'm saying, in the return game, like you know, I remember Hess would tell me like he's setting things up. Like I remember, I asked, I remember I asked you one time, Devin. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you remember. Uh, we're in a hotel the night before game, and I was like, "Bro, what 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 comes to your mind? You know, when when you're in the stadium, you know, they're playing Soldier Boy, and that ball's about to be kicked. Like, what goes through your mind?" And I remember you telling me you already envisioned how the return was going to go. You already knew what type of path you were going to take, and you know that's the thing. Devin had an uncanny ability. To, to set things up, um, he had the vision to make people miss, you know, even when he wouldn't see him. Because there was sometimes I'd be like, man, how did he make that guy miss? He didn't even see him. You know what I'm saying? But his ability, you know, his mental aptitude of the game and the return game, knowing what he was going to do before it actually happened, combined with that elite athleticism, I mean, you got yourself future Hall of Famer. So, has tell the fans about, you know, that process and kind of what went through your mind uh, before the ball was kicked. It was it was more so of uh, anticipating, more so like a quarterback craft, right? When a quarterback is reading the goal ball, right, he's getting press man off coverage, guys playing off, right? 
It's the vision to anticipate once that receiver gets up on that DB toes, he's beat. Yeah. Right? Some quarterbacks, they, 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 they want to see the receiver a step or two ahead before they let the ball go. But my mindset was more on anticipating. You know what I mean? If that DB gets up on that, that receiver gets up on that DB and they toe to toe, I'm letting it go. Right? So I anticipate blocks. I was able, I think I had a gift at setting up blocks. Um, that was one of my major keys that I would re- really say that I understood how to make my blockers job way easier than it really was. You know what I mean? To the point where they were like, wow, I tried to block him, but he just, he went the opposite way. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really have to do nothing, but it was me just anticipating him favoring one side, you know what I mean? And going ahead and letting that DB think I'm going to go that way at the same time and then cutting back, cutting back at, at the last minute. So, that part really helped me out and just seeing the whole field, you know what I mean, and visualizing holes that were going to open up before they even open up. It, it's what is that moment, right? And and this is the question I said if I ever interviewed you, I had to ask you, what's your favorite no Devin, go Devin moment? What that is. I've heard Levy Smith talk about this where he would be like, Devin, why are you bringing this out? Devin, what you doing? Devin. De- Oh, never mind. Just keep it going. Go ahead, then. What's your favorite no Devin go Devin moment? Um, the missed field goal in uh, New York. Oh, okay. Uh, that situation that you know where I caught the ball and um, because I had asked previous a couple of times, like, listen, if I used to ask the referee and I did, if I don't take a knee, don't blow the whistle. <laughs> Oh, so normally, you set that up? Yeah, yeah, I said it to the ref a couple times. Because oh. normally, when 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 the player catches the ball and he just walk, he's the ref feel like he's surrendering. So sometimes they don't even have to take a knee. The referee just jump up in front yeah. of him. And just, I always told the ref, "Don't get in front of me. If I don't take a knee, don't get in front of me. I will take a knee. I know the rules. You don't have to help me out." And so that allowed, you know what I mean, to 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 get that that kick out that where that field goal missed because I I caught the ball deep in the end zone. And just started walking. And I seen it happen before where it was on a flute play where he just started walking and everybody just started walking on. I don't recall what player it was, but it happened before a while back. Not on a, a field goal block, but it happened yeah. on, 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 on a return. And so I, I actually did that same play in college when we played Tennessee. Um, I think it was my freshman year in college. I did the exact same thing on the kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I did it on the kickoff. They wasn't watching tennis. tape. That's all it was. They they they, yeah. they they weren't familiar with your game, as Shaq was saying. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> didn't so matter. Me catching, me catching that field goal and taking them two steps, I can see the whole defense of the Giants just start charting off the field. Yeah, going to their sideline. And I'm like, they just don't know if to take this out, and I took it out, man. We're getting into the uh, halftime here. We do want to let you guys know. First off, hit that like button, subscribe to the page if you haven't done so. Devin Hester's here. If you ain't done so, are you really a Bears fan? Come on now. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys download the ESPN app because now that is your place for all things Bears podcast. You can listen to the podcast live. You can click on the tile to take you straight to YouTube. Make sure that you get in tune with that. Devin, I got one more question before we get you up out of here, man. Draft is coming up on Thursday. What do you want to to see the Chicago Bears do in the first round? What is your expectation? What are your thoughts on what this Bears team right now needs first? I would say we need a we need a looser player. Mm-hmm. I think the type of receivers that we have, they're big bodies, they're, they're possession receivers. Um, but we need that, that blazing receiver that's going to stretch the field where you're going to get some some reverses, you're going to get some bubbles, you're going to get some deep goals, you're going to get some, some pump and goals, landing goal type receivers. We need somebody like that that's going to change the game. You, you don't think that that's, that's Valus who we took last season? He has the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need another one. We need somebody else. Return game-wise, um, Bijan, you taking Bijan in the first? You a Bijan guy? <laughs> yeah, I like him. I like. So is, is, is it is it worth it now that we picked up DJ Moore? I mean, yeah, DJ Moore. Yeah. I don't know, but do the fans want to see somebody like that again? Yeah, and so to feel. I think yes. I think do it. It, it would bring more excitement as far as Phil being out there with more. Yeah. 
and then you got somebody that that got the capability of taking a slant to the distance. Like yeah. when the last time we had a receiver take a slant mm-hmm. to the distance, a forty fifty yard slant. It's a good question. You, I, I, I <laughs> I'm really trying to think. I'm like you, like I'm. I'm really trying recall. to think now. I can't recall that. I mean, a Rob, not really. No. Yeah. B I mean, you, you need somebody. You, you need somebody like, in, in the words of of our former teammate Alex Brown, you need somebody that can take it 88 out the gate. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for, like the yeah. difference maker. Um, you know, and and that's what you know. A lot of the elite teams have. They do have difference makers. They do have guys that big play potential when that ball's in their hand. Yeah. But at the same time, they also have guys that can protect their quarterback. They also have guys that can get to the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I think at nine, there's going to be, uh, you know, everything that you want that's available. You just got to, you know, in terms of, you know, what are they thinking? Are they driving for need or are they driving for a best player available? And we heard from Ian Cunningham yesterday. What did he say? First, second round, they're looking at the best player available regardless of need. Yeah. So. See, and I look, and you you absolutely right, absolutely right with that, J Mac. But then I look at it as you you look at Kansas City, right? And mm-hmm. why why Kansas City offense so good, right? Is the offense line really that good, or does Patrick Mahomes just keep the play alive a lot? And they got speed. I've I've asked does that. Does Phil keep the play alive? Yeah. Does Phil can Phil can make up the some some of the slack by keeping the play alive? Yeah. Now yep. you need threats, right? I've I've, I've asked that same question, right? Are we in a season where you got to kind of look at Justin Fields and say, hey, listen, I've watched Joe Burrow take a team to the Super Bowl and he have uh, offensive tackles. I watched Pat Mahomes take a team to the Super Bowl and he have offensive tackles. Those are very important to keeping you upright. What are they doing that you can be doing? Are we in that season now? Because he does have DJ Moore is a nice weapon. Darnell Mooney was a he was a thousand yard number two. That's a good weapon to have. Hopefully he comes back from injury the same. Chase Claypool, I think he's a big body. Go up and get a guy, that guy that you need. I hope that he can be our number two competing with DJ Moore with that mentality of a number one. But is this that season for Justin? I think so. I think so. I think we the, the key for Justin is when you watch him play in college, he was surrounded by athletes. Yeah. Like every every quarterback you see, like look at look at Cincinnati, they surrounded by athletes. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it helps them out. You know what I mean. And, and the more you put tools in a toolbox, the better of a mechanic you're gonna be. You know what I mean. You can't go fix on the car with, with, with just a, a, a screwdriver. You can't go fix, you can't go put a car together with just a, a, a monkey wrench. You, you, you need you need hey, everything. Hey, hey, hey Devin, you you ain't never been to Alabama. I I didn't see my granddaddy put a car together with duct tape, a screwdriver, and a straw. You know what I mean? Like, where we yeah, going man. right now? <laughs> hey, Devin, we appreciate you for jumping on the show, man. We really do. We appreciate you taking your time out of the day. You always welcome back, man. Hope to have yes, you on sir. the podcast again. I appreciate you guys for having me, man. All right, yes. Thanks, okay. brother. Y'all be easy, man. Hi, man. Yes, Peace. sir. All right, boys, we had Devin Hester in the building. Gotta love that, J-Mac, man. Appreciate yes, appreciate you for helping out on that, dog. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a great first week of the Chicago Bears podcast. We get into the third quarter, though. We got we to gotta sit here and uh, we got Hester's draft story. The draft is so big, but everybody don't get to hear their name called. J-Mac, you know what it's like to go through that that mental side of it. We heard Yurko's story yesterday. What is it like? What, were you expecting to get your name called when the draft happened? And then when you when you get out of that, right, what's the mental process of that, trying to just stay strong, keep focused, knowing that, hey, I know that I can play at this level? Yeah, like the whole, the whole pre-draft process is such a crazy process. Yeah. You know, you – you know, I had an opportunity, um, you know, played at Temple University. It wasn't a, a powerhouse like Devin, like University of Miami. Right. Uh, Miami was a team that was in our conference back then, the Big East Conference. So, you know, that, that conference was loaded. I mean, Donovan McNabb played in that conference. Dwight Freeney, Michael Vick. We had, I mean, Ed Reed was on that Miami team. Played against a lot of guys who did get drafted in the first round. So, my level of confidence in terms of did I have the ability to play in the NFL – Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I knew I had the ability to play in the NFL and I always knew I would because I had that mindset. I had that that work ethic and I knew I was going to do whatever it took to get there. So the pre-draft process for me was um, I had good tape. 
you know, we had a good offense. Um, I was versatile, could catch the ball, could block. Um, I showed the ability to run with the ball. Um, so I had a lot of, you know, uh, private workouts. I did not get invited to the combine, which kind of hurt a little bit because, yeah. you know, you, you see guys that you played against, guys that, you know, I felt like I was better than, especially at my position going to the combine. Yeah. So, you know, I did, I did a lot of pro days, did really well in my pro days, was set up a lot of private workouts. And the teams, the feedback I got from these private workouts was, hey, you know what, you can be anywhere from fifth to seventh round or a high-priority free agent. And for me, that was good enough for me because I knew that at the end of the day, I was going to have an opportunity to get into an NFL training camp. And I knew when I got that opportunity, when I got in that camp, Pat, I knew I was going to blow the doors off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that was, that was my motivation. Uh, you know, thankfully for me, uh, there was a few teams. Uh, there, was, there was a couple teams that wanted to draft in the sixth round. They didn't do it. And the Philadelphia Eagles at that time, it's a, it's a crazy story because they called and said, hey, you know what? You know, in the seventh round, what our pick, we're going to take you or you're going to take your teammate, Raheem Brock, who was a defensive end in this league, played for the Colts for a long time as well. We're going to either take you or him, and whoever we don't take, we want to bring in as a, as a high-priority free agent. Yeah. So it was an interesting situation. You know, I'm, I'm at home. I mean, I'm in, uh, in Philly in my apartment. My parents are there. And the seventh round comes up, Pat, and – it's bittersweet because I'm happy for my brother, my fellow college teammate, yeah. Raheem Brock. I look at the screen and I get no call. Philadelphia Eagles select defensive end from Temple, Raheem Brock. So I'm I'm happy, but I'm also like hurt at the same time. You didn't get to get your name called. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get my name called. So, you know, I, I did have to make a call. I had to call Raheem and say, hey, man, congratulations. Yeah. But, you know, they took you instead of me. Uh, but but it was a good thing because I had the opportunity to go to a team uh, uh, that had great veteran leadership back then. And if you recall, this was 2002. So uh, Donovan McNabb was a quarterback. Yep. Dude Staley was the run. He was was the starting running back. Yep. Uh, you know, you had Brian Mitchell in that locker room. You had uh, Troy Vincent, so many veterans. Hugh Douglas, uh, LeVon Kirkland, Brian yeah. Dawkins. You know, all these guys. You know, I got to learn from on a daily basis on what it took to be a pro, on what it took to be successful. But I also had that huge chip on my shoulder, Pat. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can recall in training camp, I was so competitive, right? And I remember in practice, you know, I'm going all out because I'm trying to make this team. You know, I'm trying to be here. And I remember some of the vets telling me, hey, you know, you got to slow down. You know, you got to slow down. And it was one bet in particular, and I always took this advice with me. It was Brian Dawkins, the great Hall of Famer. Yep. You know, that's why he's a Hall of Famer, because he had he was a great player. But he was a great mentor for me because he told me, he said, you know what, Rook? Don't take it easy on these vets. Do not take a day, that day off because guess what? These guys are here. These guys are where you want to be. If you take a day off, you may not be here. You can't afford to do that. So after that, I, I, I kept at it. Never took a day off, man, and, and, and got that opportunity. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I was on made the practice squad in Philly. Yeah. Um, but and, and then ended up in Chicago, had a good career here. But, you know, I look back on that draft and I look at, you know, some of the fullbacks that got drafted. So I remember in the fourth round, there was a fullback named Charles Stackhouse. He got drafted. Another guy in our conference played at Virginia Tech named Jared Ferguson. He got drafted in the sixth round. And, you know, that being said, none of those guys, you know, had as long as a career that I had. So and that, but that was always my motivation. You know, I always wanted to go out there and prove that I belonged in this league. And when you tell me no, I'm going to show you yes and why I can't. Did you who who was the coach? Who was the coach? I asked uh, Shiriko this the other day. This is the my favorite part. Who's the coach that uh, basically was like, Nah, bro, you ain't got it. That you always remembered, and when you saw him again, you was like, Yeah, remember I ain't got it. Remember I ain't got it. Yeah, you know what? And that's a, that's that's funny you asked me that because I I tell my kids up at the school up at a. Uh, Carmel Catholic High School. Yeah, plug, humble plug, plug, humble plug. Let's do it. <laughs> so I tell my kids, right, and I'm not going to mention the coach's name, but it was one of my college coaches, right, Pat? And it hurt me to the core because, you know, I, I came to Temple. You know, obviously, when you're being recruited, you know, these coaches love you up. They're going to do anything they can to get you in their program. I was a two-time team captain. Uh, so I always, you know, displayed leadership, displayed work ethic, displayed the culture that they were instilling in our program on a daily basis. And, you know, I, blood, sweat, and tears for this program. And I can recall being in our weight room, right, working out. It's late at night, and I'm working out. I always worked out. Yeah. I tried to outwork my competition. I'm working out, and, and the coach came down, 
And he says, hey, Mickey, how you doing? What do you, he says, what are you doing? And I said, well, coach, I, you know, I'm continuing to train, getting extra work in, you know, for a pro day. And he's like, well, you know what? Less than 1% of the, you were a good player here, but less than 1% of the guys that play college football will make it to the pros. And, then, and Pat, I'll tell you, that's Dream stummy killer to, out here. Jesus. Pat, that's stummy to the core, bro. But at the same time, that just added more fuel to that fire. Yeah. So long story short, after my first year in the league, I come back to Temple. <laughs> I'm working out in the weight room. Same coach, not mentioning any names, comes up to me, Pat, and he says, oh, McKee, pat me on the back. Great job, man. You know, great job. I'm so proud of you. Can coach get a hat? You know what I said, Pat? Well, you know what, coach? Less than 1% of the coaches in college will have the ability to earn an NFL hat. So I say this for all of you young kids out there, all you high school kids that have aspirations and dreams of going on to play in the NFL or whatever your dream is. You know, people say don't listen to the naysayers. I say listen to them because when you listen to them, that's going to add another log to that fire, right, to that bonfire that you should have burning with inside of you. So all you guys out there, all you young kids listening, I'm living proof. I got to live my dream. Yeah. You can do anything you want, but listen to the naysayers and hey. go out there and prove them wrong. Hey. That's my message, it's, message of the day for the young guy. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of dudes that uh, was tweeting me congratulations when I when I got these uh, these letters behind me, and, and, and they was not rocking with the show in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. They wasn't looking at the breeze like, oh, Pat really got a future in this. Hey, I'm here now. Uh <laughs> Hey, man, we appreciate y'all for showing love. If you haven't done so, like we said, hit that like button. Let's get into the fourth quarter, Jason, because, listen. Fourth quarter. This is a big day coming up. Draft day. I think that we have a chance right now to build the foundation for our entire future. Like the entire future with Justin Fields, I should say, right? Not the entire future. But setting Mm -hmm. this regime up for a standard of excellence. Like we like we had when we had Brian Erlacher, Devin Hester, uh, right? Like the, the the Lance Briggs, the big dogs, right? Like when we had those guys. Where's your confidence level on this regime going into draft day? Where where do you feel? Right? Are you are you? I know Poles is going to make the right pick, or is it you know kind of like when we had Pace? Like, come on, bro, don't do it again. Don't do it. Again. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean. Obviously, as a former player and a Bears fan, my my confidence has to be in the current regime, Pat. You know, you have to trust in the process and what their process is, you know, their evaluations. You got to make sure that everybody has done their job to the best of their ability. They've checked every box. They've, you know, went through and went back and checked all the background of all these prospects. And and they're trying, obviously, to find the right fit, you know, in terms of scheme-wise, it's the right fit in this locker room. Does this player embody the culture that we're that we're instilling here at Hallis Hall? But at the end of the day, and let's be realistic, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. The NFL draft, regardless of what grades these players have, right, regardless of how many evaluations have taken place, it's still a crapshoot for every player, Pat. Yeah. It's a crapshoot for every single player, right? Because you can sit there and say, that guy's a future Hall of Famer, right? This guy's a future Pro Bowler. This guy is going to be a pillar of that of that organization for the next 10 years. But we can't what you cannot determine in terms of the evaluation process is, all right, how does that person's mindset, how does that person's character, how does that person's uh, personality change based upon when he gets his contract? Yeah. You know, when you have a kid who may come from a, a bad economic background, who, who's never had money who didn't have the NIL valuation that some of these other players have coming out of college. And he's a high draft pick. You know, he gets his signing bonus. Now, does a work ethic remain the same? Yeah. Is that hunger still there? Is that fire burning inside of him to go out there, right, and to be great, to, to take that next step, to be great in the league and not just be great in terms of the draft process or in college? Those are things that you can't measure throughout the combine, throughout these interviews, because, hey, in an interview, we can sit here and I can sell you anything. Yes. Right? I can say, you know what, coach? I'm the first one in. I'm the last one out. You know, all I do is work. All I do is eat, sleep, drink football. But when that money or that signing bonus is transferred into that account, <laughs> am I still dreaming, eating, sleeping football? Yeah. Or am I dreaming, sleeping, eating? What kind of car am I buying? What type of shoes am I going to get? You know what I'm saying? Like, I... 
and and that's the thing you can't measure. So I think with with this process, you got to trust in the regime. Um, Ian Cunningham obviously had his his press conference yesterday, and you know he, he brought up a lot of interesting points to me. Um, I, I think that you know him and Ryan Poles, like the relationship they have together. I mean, these guys even live together. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 you know they. It's a little different. They do, I'm not gonna lie. That one was a little yeah, different. Yeah. For me. That one was a little different. I had never heard that from another uh, another yeah. uh, GM yeah. assistant GM. Shout out to the Brotherhood. Yeah, I mean, shout out to yeah, the Brotherhood. Brotherhood. I love it. But I like the fact that you know those guys are around each other and they're making such important decisions. Yeah. And you can see that you know those conversations. I'm sure take place all the time. On the ride into Hallis Hall, on the way back from Hallis Hall, yeah. in Hallis Hall. So, you know, they're not leaving any stone unturned. And let's just make sure they bring in the right prospect that, you know, that embodies everything that we're trying to build here. You know, that fits Eberflus's hits principles. If it's a defensive guy uh, that can be an elite, you know, playmaker on offense, whether it's an O lineman, whether it's a receiver, whether it's a running back, you know, at number nine, if we're going to pick there, we got to come in and bring a guy who can be a key contributor. Uh, to this organization for a long time. I thought Ian hit the nail on the head where he, I mean, like when he said pressure is a privilege, first off, bars. Uh, yeah. Bars out here. Like, yes. <laughs> that's a tattoo on somebody right now. Um, <laughs> hey, Ian, Ian, tat that up, bro. Tat that up. Come on. That's that's fire right there. Uh, but pressure is a privilege, right? Like, the Chicago, this regime shouldn't have been here based on what we saw that was left for them. Yep. When we when we heard about Ryan Poles coming to this team, I, if if you were a Bears fan and you literally were like, "Yeah, he's going to turn it all around and put you in a position in two years," I'd, I'd have said you was you, you was smoking. There's no way that you thought that we were going to be in this position. But they not, they did such a good job, right? The pressure was on the second they got here. They did such a good job of making the right moves and it was some listen it was some misses in there right it was yeah. it's some it's some sure. it's some moves i look at and i'm like i don't know about that right like uh i i think about um why am i blanking on his name our center for last year they played like four snaps at center uh, lucas patrick yeah shout out yeah. shout out to you and eric uh lucas patrick man like i, I think about that right like I, injury you can't take into account but he yeah. was supposed to be your starter he was supposed to be your guy so you had that pressure from day one. And to me, when I look at my confidence level in this regime, I'm confident in them making most of the picks right. And when I say most, I mean like, what do we have? We got nine picks, uh, or ten picks, whatever it is, mm-hmm. six for four. You're not going to get everybody right. No. It's, it's impo- If you get everybody right, you're, you're, you're a godsend out here. But – I'm confident that they will get most of their picks right. And I think that that's all that we as Bears fans should be hoping for, right? It can't just be your first-round guy, your second-round guy. I need a fifth-round guy like last season. (laughs) Yeah, and you look at it too. I mean, you have to, right, regardless, the first, second-round guys, you know, you want those guys to come in and and be the guys, be the dudes, where, you know, a few years from now you say, you know what, I'm glad we were able to pick him where we're at in the first round or second round. But like you said, Pat, you got to, in order to have success, sustain sustain success in this yeah. league, right? You've got to hit on those late round picks. You got to hit on those free agents. Yes. I mean, Chris Harris was was one of our safeties for a long time. Six round draft pick. You know what I'm saying? You got to have guys that you do your homework on that you know you may draft late and they come in and they be key contributors and key starters. You know for for a long time in this league. So you know I, I like the fact that this regime and Ryan Poles is sticking to his process. He's sticking to what he believes in. Right. Uh, We talked about this before. There's a lot of, obviously Chicago's a huge market in terms of media. We're doing media right now. And, you know, I, I just don't want the gym to be persuaded to do something that's not within his process because of what the media is saying, what everybody's saying. You've got to stick to your plan. You've got to stick to the plan that you and your whole scouting department, you know, that you guys, all the homework you've been doing leading up to this moment, you got to stick to your plan and pick the guy who you feel from day one is your guy. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what Ryan Poles has. I think that's what Ian Cunningham, you know, brings to the table. Them two guys working together. I think he's going to take the people in this draft that he feels is the best fit, regardless of what we think, yeah. the outsiders thing here in Chicago. He's going to pick who, who, uh, who he feels that can help this organization in the long run for a long time. 
How important is is uh, fit over talent, especially early on, right? You, we always say you take the best player available, you take the best talent available. Best talent available don't always fit your system. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, and the system's everything. You know, I know um, earlier in free agency, a lot of people were saying, hey, why didn't we take Orlando Brown? Yeah. Well, you know, in terms of a running game, he's we're an outside zone. Running. Yeah, he's not. we're an outside zone running scheme. You know, Orlando Brown is a little too big to be moving like that. You got to be able to move an outside zone running scheme. The linemen they got to move and get edges and things like that. So, you know, fit fit is everything. You know, if you can get a guy that has that can that can fit your scheme mm-hmm. and has the talent, I mean, that's that's a good thing. But you know, coaches have to develop and teach players. Right? Yeah. This league is about development. So when you look at you know, guys who fit our system right now. Do Does everybody have talent? Yes, you got to have talent to be in an NFL locker room. But it's the coach's job, right, to help develop that talent and to help bring out uh, the best, you know, in, in terms of everybody. You know, that way they make sure that you're a fit, that makes, they make sure that you can execute their scheme. And if you can enhance that talent, you know, year in and year out, you're going to get players playing better within your scheme and then you get more productivity. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's hope this regime gets it right. I, I really think this is a this is going to be a draft that we talk about that sets us up for a Super Bowl run. I, if you get this right, yeah. I think you're set up for a Super Bowl run at some point in our future. If you get this wrong, I think that you're you're set up for a lot of years yeah. of anguish here. Tal. Like you're not going to get this many draft picks in a row every single year. So hopefully the Bears get it right, man. Hey, that has been another. Great episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Uh, J Mac, uh, appreciate you for, for facilitating Devin, man. As always, course, man. he's going, uh, J Mac going to be here every Wednesday. So make sure that you're tuned in with us on that as well. Uh, make sure that you're uh, checking us out over on the ESPN Chicago app. You literally can listen to the pod live there and check out the YouTube video as well. So get in tune with us on that if you're on YouTube. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. We'll be back tomorrow. I believe it's going to be me and Courtney Cronin in the building. So tune in with us for that as well. As always, it's your boy Pat the Designer. Back at it again. J-Mac. Y'all stay safe out there and bear down, man. Peace. Yes, sir. Love you, Chicago. Bear down.